According to the National Center for Drug Abuse, over 165 million Americans ages 12 and up are currently abusing drugs or alcohol. Of those 165 million Americans, there is a mom, dad, sister, brother, wife, husband, son, daughter, or grandparent praying and pleading that they would stop. Addiction is a subject most people don't like to talk about and is kept behind closed doors. But the Finding Hope podcast will bring light to the subject and give families that are living in shame, guilt, hopelessness, fear, worry, and anger, tools and education to find strength, peace, happiness, joy, and hope. Hello, I'm Amy LaRue, Finding Hope Coordinator for Hope is Alive Ministries and your host for this Finding Hope podcast. At Hope is Alive, our mission is to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. We do this through our intentional next level sober living homes and faith-based support groups for the loved ones of addicts called Finding Hope. Thank you for joining us today. On this episode, we will discuss the serenity prayer, learn what is in our control and what is out of our control, and how to surrender those things to God. But first, I want to introduce my guest I have on this episode, Miss Jessica Summers. I first met Jessica about three years ago after she bravely walked into her first Finding Hope meeting. She is now a faithful member and a member of our Finding Hope Advisory Board. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. Do you mind sharing a little bit about yourself and how you found Finding Hope? Sure. Thanks for having me, Amy. So I originally found Finding Hope. I was, at the time, my ex-husband was in the midst of his addiction, and someone had dropped off the Finding Hope book for me, a family friend. I knew nothing about Finding Hope. I knew nothing about Hope is Alive. I really knew nothing. And I read that book in one night. Wow. As I was reading the book, I realized everybody that was in this book and what they were talking about was exactly what I was dealing with. And so I immediately got on the website and I believe I emailed you Mm -hmm. and you gave me information on the first Finding Hope meeting. So it was from there that I started attending Finding Hope and found such wisdom and just um, acceptance and understanding of this disease and have been going ever since. So you said you read the book in one night. That's correct, right? Yes. And so why were you so engaged in this book? What was going on that led you to want to read and just um, eat and live what the words of the book were saying? I think my life felt so chaotic Mm. in that moment. And I didn't know really anyone that had lived this. And so when I started reading it, I mean, it it definitely spoke to me and such similar things, trying to control, trying to um, fix um, mm. your addict and just all the things that I didn't realize that I had been doing 
And I think it just spoke to me. I had friends and and great people around me that knew what I was going through, but weren't living it. And so to read that and realize all the similar things, I knew I needed to continue to seek more advice. Yeah. Let's step back. You said your life felt chaotic. What was so chaotic that, and you said it was so chaotic, you're trying to control it. Um, And so kind of tell our listeners a little bit about that. I think uh, my personality, I'm very much a people pleaser. I'm very Mm -hmm. much, I realized I was very codependent. And so when things got crazy, I didn't know what I would come home to every night, even during the day. Um, If, you know, my ex-husband would be drunk or something would be going on, I started trying to control the situation because I felt like if I could control it, then it wouldn't happen. What are some of those things you did to try to control it? Oh, gosh, Amy, I'm embarrassed <laughs> to tell you all the things that I've done. Oh, um, I think everyone can relate. <laughs> we're, you know, we think we're all a little crazy, the things we do. But then once we hear it, like you're saying, it just makes us realize we're not as crazy as we thought. So I'm sure others can relate. So go for it. Yes. So, I mean, I went from hiding bottles. I would hide liquor bottles. I would um, fill them with water Mm -hmm. thinking that they wouldn't know that it was water. He wouldn't know it was water. Um, And then I started realizing I started planning things. I was constantly trying to do things with us together. So I would be like, hey, we're gonna go do this tonight. We're gonna go do this tonight. We're gonna go do this. I would call during the day. I would find reasons to call. And I realized now I was trying to control to always be around so that I could, if I was around, then, then he wouldn't drink. I now know that is crazy because um, I can't control what they are or not doing. But in my mind, I felt like if I could be around at every waking moment, then I could control and he wouldn't do it. And um, I realize now that I can't be around every waking moment. I was completely exhausted. My mind was all over the place. And then on top of that, I was trying to always be around, always be there, always know what was going on. And I was, I was not, it was not healthy. I was in, I was in a sick place as well. How did that impact? So you're trying to hide the bottle, do everything to control the situation, try to be there, plan everything, you know, check in on him. It sounds like throughout the day. Um, how did that impact maybe your personal life, your relationships with others, and maybe even your work life a little bit? Yes, definitely. And, and I don't think I realized it in the moment. I think you're mm-hmm. just life's so up and down you're just trying to survive and um I realized that I was finding ways to leave work Mm -hmm. I was finding excuses I was finding um you know reasons to always be gone so that I could be home and check on things um my ex-husband worked from home so there's a lot of free time there um I was also finding myself withdrawing from people. Mm. Friends would ask us to go do things and um, I would maybe not go or I would be so nervous about what would happen that I could never enjoy. And I would be thinking the whole time like, okay, okay, what what's next? What's next? Mm-hmm. And it was just a constant state of um, craze and I, I was exhausted. I think my mind was going so much that I just couldn't ever seek peace or relax. 
And I didn't realize that in the moment, looking back on that, I realized that now, but in the moment I was, um, shutting myself off from a lot of things and, and putting a lot of things secondary that, um, even, even my relationship with God. I mean, I think I was even, um, trying to control so much. I was giving up my own quiet time. I was letting go of things that I usually did. I I wasn't maybe attending church because I wanted to make sure he was okay or someone was okay. And so I think just all kinds of things that I was shutting off, not realizing it. Yeah, absolutely. And so true. And I know other people are feeling that we feel like for me personally is if I can control this, if I can watch him every waking moment, if I can do this, then he can't drink. But honestly, for me, that wasn't true. So how did that work for you guys? Um, you checking in on him, putting water in the bottles, you know, canceling plans with friends to watch him, not going to church and all those things. Um, did it help him? No, it okay. definitely did not. It definitely, um, you know, I, like I mentioned, I, I was sick too. Um, and I was just making the situation worse. Say um, that again. You were doing what? I was making the situation worse. I was definitely escalating it every time. And the more I escalated it, the more um, upset he would get, which would make me want to control more. So it was just a vicious cycle Yes, that's what I was just about to say. It sounds like a very vicious cycle. You try to fix, try to control. Then he gets angry and mad. And then you get angry and mad. So you can try to control more. And it just goes nowhere. But both of you ending up mad, angry, bitter, and resentful towards each other probably as well. And so obviously I'm sitting here with you today. And you are a completely different person. You're smiling and all of this. And so... um. We want to help our listeners today. If you are just like Jessica is, if you feel like you are trying to control and do everything and try to prevent them from drinking or using the drugs or doing this or that, we want to just give you some tools today. And something that I learned very early in my recovery was the serenity prayer. I don't know. Have you used this in your own recovery as well? I definitely have. I still have it framed in my bedroom and I look at it every morning. Okay, very good. And so I'm just going to share the serenity prayer with our listeners real quick. This is actually when I did some research on the serenity prayer. So if you're out there listening, this is actually the shortened version that most people hear. There's a longer version. And so, but you hear the serenity prayer. It's not in the Bible, but you hear it in the rooms of lots of recovery and not just in recovery rooms. People use this prayer for all sorts of situations. We talk about responding versus reacting. And I think this is a great way to remember to stop and pause before we respond to anything. And so the prayer is this, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. So Jessica, let's break this down for our listeners a little bit in three different ways. Let's start with the first part. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Let me say that last part. Accept the things I cannot change. 
And so when we are asking God to grant me serenity. So when our lives, when we just feel out of control and we try to do everything, it makes it more out of control. Kind of like what Jessica was saying, a vicious cycle they were in. You know, we try to work harder. We do everything we can to try to control the situation, the people around us. But we have to remember that we have to accept and submit to God's control in this plan because God is ultimately in control of this. And he sees the bigger picture. I was talking to someone this week at a Finding Hope meeting on Monday, and she said, there's a song on the radio right now about God's story. It's God's story, not ours. But so many times we try to write it for him. And so I think that's where we have to remember, like, God is in control of this and in control of our loved ones, and that we need to be able to find that peace. And so how do we do that? We have to stop and think about, you know, accepting the things we can't change, you know, we're not superheroes. Sometimes we try to be, you know, um, sometimes we even look to people thinking they're superheroes, but we are not superheroes. God is our ultimate superhero. And so we have to submit to him, asking him to show us, give us that peace, that serenity for the things we cannot change. And I love what Psalms um, 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. I think that that first part is so hard for people. You know, we're in a go, go, go. You know, we have, you know, we're connected to our phones. We're connected to everything and everyone that we forget to take a breath and be still and to remember God is God and that we need him to help us and to let him let go and let God is, you know, we hear that a lot too. And so how did that look like for you? What does that mean to you to God Grant me the strength to accept the things I cannot change. What did you have to accept that you couldn't change no matter how hard you tried, how hard you plead? Tell us a little bit about that. What did you have to accept through all of that? You know, I had to accept that it was his life and not mine. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't care more about his life than he did. I had to accept that no matter how many times I was there or around, I couldn't control what was happening. I couldn't control how he felt. I couldn't control how he felt about me. I couldn't control any of that. Um, and I, I, the more finding hope meetings I went to, the more I realized this. Um, and I, I had to realize that God was in control. And while I had all these worries, his plan was bigger than mine. And mm-hmm. I had no idea what the story was going to be. But I think just realizing that it took, and and this is a constant battle for me every day, um, surrendering and letting go and and, in every part of my life. And so um, I think I just had to realize and accept that things could happen and there's nothing I could do about it. Now I could control, you know, me and, and how I felt about things and how I handled things, but, um, I cannot control someone else and what they're thinking. Or I think a lot of times we feel so much blame Mm. and you think we can control that and spin that around and um, do, you know, try to do go overboard so that they will not blame us. But at the end of the day, it's their life. And, um, you know, we have to let go of that and know that God has a plan for them, just like he does for us and um, let God intervene. 
I'm glad what you said about that blame. Sometimes we blame ourselves and we've talked about it on this podcast. We end it every, every episode with it's not your fault. Sometimes I think people get into that control because they do, they feel like it's their fault. There's something they did, or maybe our loved one said something to make us believe it's our fault. You know, can we contribute to it? Absolutely. But it's not our fault that, you know, how their brains are designed. It is completely, you know, and we have to remember that. And I love that you said that. And we have to remember what you said, that God's plan is bigger than ours. And, you know, it's getting to that part of, okay, I've got to just step away. This is his life. He's making these this decision to continue to drink and not to continue to seek help in recovery. I've got to step away. I can't control his feelings or his emotions or any of that, like you were saying. Absolutely. And you've kind of already touched a teeny bit on the next part of the serenity prayer, the courage to change the things I can. So we have to look, we have to accept the things we can't, right? That's the first part. The second part, to change the things we can. We can't change others, can we, Jessica? You know, you know, it'd be nice sometimes if we could, but we can't, we have to come to that. And so we have to have that courage. And I think we have to look at that word courage. What does courage mean? You know, and it's doing the hard things. Sometimes it's not easy to have that courage. And so it's doing the, making those hard decisions and running from what seems to be so difficult. Cause I think a lot of times we get stuck, we feel comfortable and we feel comfortable in this control, even though we're miserable and all this, that we have to have that courage to know, okay, it might feel uncomfortable for a little bit, but it's ultimately going to soon get us that serenity, that peace, right? And so we can, you know, call upon God and ask him for that courage to move forward into a full life that he has planned for us and for our loved ones. We have to remember, like, we have to look at ourselves. What can I change? And Second um, Timothy 1, 7 says, For the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So the Spirit, we get that power, that courage from God. And we've just got to ask Him. You talked about how your relationship with God, like you weren't going to church, you, you know, that, you know, maybe you weren't having your quiet time or any of that. But we have to remember, we need to be running to Him every day and asking Him, for this wisdom, for this courage through all of this. So what does it mean if someone's listening um, and they're a loved one, they're in the midst of this, you know, storm. um, What does it mean to have courage and to change the things I can change? So tell us a little bit about that. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said um, it's easy to get in that you know, pattern. And that's all, you know, is control, control, control. And I think sometimes we think, well, if I let go, then I'm, I'm letting this person down. I'm, I'm, Mm. you know, I'm, I'm not giving it my all in this marriage, but I think, you know, I realized that God gave me the courage to just say, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna discuss things when there's drinking involved. I'm not going to be around, um, and that was very, very hard. Um, so setting boundaries. Setting like, boundaries. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> correct. Yes. Thank you. Setting boundaries. And that's very hard and, and very uncomfortable. And um, I think that God gave me the courage to do that 
And once you do it once, I think it mm. becomes a little bit easier. And then, um, then you realize, okay, you know, I can't control that person, but I can control my space and where I'm at. And, um, I don't have to always answer the phone. And, and I remember that the first time I didn't answer and, and I was sick all night about it. Mm. Um, but you know what? God stayed with me. And, and then the next time, and, and then I think as, as that continued to happen, I started to heal and, and so did he. And so I think God gave me the courage to kind of set that first boundary. Mm-hmm. And then that became a little bit easier. And I continued, I realized that. And so I continued to rely on God more and more to just surrender every day when I would want to call or text or even, even after, um, you know, a, he had been to rehab and came back, I was wanting to control what, you know, when are you going to AA? Mm-hmm. When are you being with your sponsor? Yeah. Um, and I realized, okay, I know that control's coming back. I cannot do that. And so, God very much. Um, I think, I think that's the hardest part is that first step. But I think once you do it once, then you realize, okay, God's got this, God's mm-hmm. got me and, um, I can control me, but that's it. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm so glad you mentioned that, that even after they go to treatment, they, they go to treatment, maybe they go into a sober living home, like hope is alive. Um, that we can still get in their old patterns of, okay, we, I got them sober, but we didn't get them sober. We have to remember that God got them sober and we can't be always, okay, what meeting are you going to? Did you check in with your sponsor? You know, that is control and it's going to cause them to go, you know, backwards more, you know, and it's going to cause us, we relapse. We talk, we haven't really talked about that so much on this podcast. You know, I know that relapse word is, is hard to hear and we will someday talk about that on here. You know, that's the reality of this disease. You know, our loved ones can relapse. My husband relapsed, you know, but we can too. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and we have to remember to step back and, you know, again, give it to God. And, you know, you said something about the uncomfortable, how it feels uncomfortable that first time. And, you know, that's where that courage comes in to have that courage because growth and healing comes in those uncomfortable moments. Right. And it's, and I say, I probably have said this on every podcast, but it's taking that first step, right? Taking that first step. Okay. And then relying on one another, calling people, having, but you know, you're saying like your friends didn't understand your family. It's having those people like the members of Finding Hope who understand and can support you. And I have people that will call me sometimes and be like, Hey, I just need to know I'm doing the right thing. And I'll just sit there and listen, you know, and they already know they've done the right thing, but it's hard because it's uncomfortable. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem loving, but really we're loving them more when we step out of their way and let God do what he needs to do. And so the last part is wisdom to know the difference. And that's hard sometimes, right? Because we feel like we know more. We see, we feel like we see it all, but we don't. We only see a part of it. And, you know, wisdom is a gift that God promises to give to those who ask for it. So we have to ask God for that wisdom, you know, and we can grow in that wisdom each day and make better decisions as we spend time with Him. You know, we have to open the Bible, we need to be prayers. We, you know, prayer warriors and get plugged in, you know, and sometimes we won't get the answer right away. Right. And 
that's where it goes back to that responding versus reacting. If we haven't heard that wisdom from God yet, we need to remember, okay, we need to continue to pray for it before we do anything, you know? And, um, and then when we hear that answer from God is, you know, we have to remember, okay, I've got to listen. I don't like this answer, but I need to listen because he knows why. Kind of like you were saying in earlier about hearing and, um, and so James 1, 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. And so how have you learned to seek wisdom through your own recovery, Jessica? I think just, first of all, going to finding hope meetings really kind of led me in the right direction. Um, Obviously, I'm always seeking wisdom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's never a a done thing. You're continually learning. Um, But definitely starting there and then realizing, um, you know, through God, the things I needed to be praying for and working through and realizing that he does give you the wisdom if you just listen. And I was in a Bible study this week and we were talking a lot about just when you are with God, how he gives you rest. And I Mm. think that's, you know, not necessarily resting, like sleeping on the couch, but just rest in your mind. And I think once that started to happen and there was a little rest and peace in my mind, I could think a little more clearly. And it was, it's amazing to me kind of what opened up and, and how things became less chaotic in that moment from his wisdom. That's good. I like that. And so Wisdom. And you're absolutely correct. Like I've been a part of Finding Hope for seven and a half years, you know, and you've been here for three years and we are continuing to learn. I mean, I'm still learning. I love going to meetings and hearing the wisdom, even from others within the meeting, you know, because God can speak through others. And, you know, it's like, oh, I'm so glad he said that or she said that at our meeting because I need to hear that. And maybe that's God, you know, you're praying for that wisdom and you hear it through other people and in the support groups. And so I'm so glad you said that. Like it is, it's a lifelong continuing um, learning that we have to do. And so I found this little flow chart online and I think this is a great way, you know, to use the um, serenity prayer in our daily lives. And it's like, you know, you talked about it when you wake up, but it's throughout the whole day is memorizing this and thinking about, okay, a situation comes, stop and think, okay, you know, there's a problem. And so this flow chart starts with, there's a problem. So the first thing I would actually say is, okay, let's pray. Let's do that serenity prayer and pray. And then um, from there, there's a problem. And then the first question, it says, can I change it? You know, um, can I change it? And if your answer is maybe, then you go down and ask for that wisdom, right? You know, can I change it? If the answer is no, then you have to ask for that peace and that serenity, that first part of the serenity prayer. Can I change it? No. Ask for that serenity. And then you have to heart, sometimes it's hard and accept it, right? Um, And then the next one is, can I change it? If the answer is yes, you're going to ask for courage to how do I change it? What do I do? And then you've got to maybe do that hard step, set up that boundary, right? And um, be able to change it, you know? And so you have to stop and think through all of that. Can I change it? Maybe ask for that wisdom. Okay. Then go back to that question. Can I change it? The answer is no. So ask for that serenity, accept it. The answer is yes. 
ask for courage and change it. And so another thing I would encourage you is, um, this is going to be part of my challenge. So you guys know, I like to end each podcast with a challenge is sit down and either make a chart on one side and then another side at the top, say things that are in my control and write down everything that is in your control. And then on the other side, things outside my control and put all the things outside of your control and really stop and reflect on that. And we do this at Finding Hope. We stop and actually take the time to think about what is in my control. Maybe even each day you might have to do that every day as you start your day is, okay, what is in my control today? And then what is outside of my control today that I need to, you know, be praying for that serenity and that peace for today? But Jessica, before we end, I just, I want to ask you if someone's out there listening and maybe they're in the midst of the storm, what would you do to encourage someone listening today? Well, I'm praying for all of you out there in the midst of the storm. I know that um, it it seems so chaotic, but I would just pray for um, that you would seek guidance and wisdom. Um, I think there's so many support groups that can lead you on the right path. And I also think God is our biggest resource. Um, and it's hard to let go and listen and be still. But that is my prayer for everybody that is in the midst of it, because um, that's really the best way to heal for both your loved one and you. So um, I pray that we can all know have the wisdom to know the difference mm. and be able to accept uh, what we can't change. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And so I'm going to say the serenity prayer just one more time. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. So this week's challenge, as you are listening, is I want you to memorize that serenity prayer. Go back, listen, write it down, go to Google, maybe even look up the longer version of it and go through it line by line and See what it speaks to you, what it's teaching you, and think about it each. And then go back and do that chart I talked about. What is in my control? Write it down. And what is outside of my control? And then begin to use it. We can sit here and listen and, you know, read it, but use it. Use it in our daily lives. If we're not applying it, nothing's going to change. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And you're listening to this either you know, you can relate to us or you're in the midst of the storm. And so we want you to get to this place that we both have and no matter if your loved one's still using or not. And so use this in your everyday life, in your recovery, and, um, and so that you can start to have that peace again. So thank you so much for joining us this week. And you can learn more about Finding Hope at findinghope.today. But before you go, we would love for you to give us a five-star review, share this on social media, and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss our next hope-filled episode. Thanks again for joining me, Amy LaRue, and our special guest, Jessica, in this episode of Finding Hope. And remember, you are not alone. It's not your fault. There is hope. This episode of the Finding Hope podcast was brought to you by Hope is Alive Ministries. 
To learn more about Hope is Alive, visit our website at hopeisalive.net. If you are in need of immediate assistance, don't wait. Call us now at 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. That's 1-844-3-HOPE-NOW. To find out more about Finding Hope and how you can get involved in a meeting close to you, visit findinghope.today.